This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. Uh, this is Tax Records, the podcast series produced by the Hall & Wilcox tax team. My name is Frank Hinoparis, and I'm a partner uh, in the tax team. And today I'm uh, delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, Special Counsel uh, Adam Demack, uh, and newly minted as Special Counsel as at uh, 1 July. And today uh, we are going to be talking about the um, one of the hot topics at the moment, uh, and that's cryptocurrency. And um, this has been a, a recurring theme uh, in all of our tax records podcast. So Adam, this is our third crypto NFT podcast. And uh, in the previous sessions, we covered the uh, tax 101 basics of cryptocurrency. Uh, in this session, uh, you and I are going to speak about some hot crypto NFT tax topics. Before we get down to that though, uh, Adam, uh, I think we all know that um, uh, crypto has been in a bit of a, a bear market. Uh, I, I hope you haven't um, invested your life savings and uh, you know, house deposit in uh, in crypto, or maybe you have. But um, do you have any tips for our uh, listeners about how to um, how to manage this current bear market in crypto? Yeah, thanks, Frank. Thanks for the intro. Um, I certainly have invested, um, and let's just say uh, I'll be at Hall and Wilcox for a little while yet. Um, oh, good. Uh, well, that's good. I just promoted you. So, you know, that, that helps. Yeah. Works out well, doesn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Look, you know, I can't, I'm just a mere tax lawyer. Uh, I can't give any financial advice. Um, but when, when uh, this all, well, when the crypto markets first tanked, I think back in 2018, I, I had some investments at the time as well. Um, and uh, basically what I just did was I just didn't look at my portfolio or my accounts for 18 months. Uh, and waited for the markets to come good again, uh, and it all worked out fine. So definitely not financial or legal advice, but maybe some uh, emotional help for people who have invested out there. I think the old uh, the old investing adage, um, when you're wrong, go long. Uh, <laughs> I certainly um, understand that well. So Adam, uh, speaking of losses, and maybe there are uh, a lot of uh, people who have invested in cryptocurrencies uh, more recently and are staring down uh, some uh, capital losses. Um, we did see a spate of messages uh, uh, around uh, the end of financial year, as we very often do in the newspapers and, and so on, uh, encouraging opportunities for taxpayers to realise losses on their CGT assets prior to 30 June. That applies to all investments. Can you... But, could you talk a little bit about how this works in the crypto uh, NFT world and uh, what some of the risks around the strategy like that might be? Yeah, well, yeah, I recall seeing the same sort of messages as well. I think uh, at least in a few uh, prominent newspapers and if not uh, on TV as well. And I think um, one of the ATO's assistant commissioners uh, also put out some publications about it. I mean, look, as you'd know, realizing a loss on a CGT asset doesn't on its own really present any tax risks. That's something that taxpayers are entitled to do. And that's just a reflection of financial and economic and commercial realities. But when you realize that loss in combination with the repurchase uh, of the same or substantially similar assets, what you do risk falling foul of is the Part 4A general anti-avoidance provisions. 
And these type of schemes are commonly referred to as wash sales. And um, since about 2008, the commissioner has held the view that the general anti-avoidance provisions can uh, apply to wash sales and different variations of it. Now, wash sales will usually involve, you know, uh, or can involve any type of asset, but for practical reasons, uh, will usually involve assets that are fungible and interchangeable. So traditionally, shares have been the big one. More recently, though, we've got uh, cryptocurrency. And the reason that wash sales and cryptocurrency work particularly well together is because the cryptocurrency transaction costs are so low and the transaction times are so fast. So, you know, you could imagine uh, someone who, for example, sold every last bit of their Ethereum on 30 June. And even if they sold millions of dollars worth, their transaction costs might be pretty low. And then the first thing on the morning of 1 July, they just go and buy back all of that Ethereum, the exact same amount. And subject to any market movements over those few hours, they'd basically be in the same economic position, but might have realized a very substantial loss uh, on that sale. So that's why uh, wash sales are particularly prominent and uh, have, uh, at least anecdotally, uh, in what I have been hearing, been discussed pretty widely in the cryptocurrency community. Excellent. Thanks, Adam. Now, we... we uh... Uh, wash sales have uh, been around for um, for some time, and as has the uh, the ATO's views about wash sales and the potential for uh, Part Four A uh, applying to them. And um, and uh, we should remind our listeners that uh, when it does come to uh, to Part Four A, uh, that the commissioner does have quite an extended uh, amendment limitation period of up to six years to uh, reassess a taxpayer. And can you just talk to any practical experience that you've had? Uh, I mean, one of the things that we hear a lot about in the press and that we see uh, in our practice as well is just the the, the, the ATO's ability to uh, detect some of these cryptocurrency transactions. And there's possibly a sort of sense of security that the, the, the crypto part means that uh, these transactions may not be as discoverable as, as, uh, as transactions in the... Um, usual tangible world or the ASX uh, may necessarily be. Have you had examples of, uh, of, of clients of ours or taxpayers who have been picked up by the ATO through data matching and so on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we spoke about this in the first podcast, but I'm glad you asked the question because if there's one thing that I'd like to sort of stress and, and repeat as much as possible is that the idea that, um, you know, cryptocurrency and NFT trading is not transparent uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, really, it's an asset class where perhaps more than any other asset class, um, the commissioner uh, has a very good ability to uh, perceive what taxpayers have been doing. Um, in terms of examples, yeah, I mean, I, I personally have uh, every single year received some form of correspondence from the commissioner to remind me to properly return uh, all of my cryptocurrency gains and losses. Um, I have examples of clients who have, uh, you know, I'll say attempted to, to do it, but understandably got mixed up uh, and lost in the various spider web of transactions and different accounts that they're using and the various trading that they're doing and, you know, not really done a thorough job. And in those situations, uh, I've seen examples of the commissioner contacting those taxpayers to um, basically to prompt them about whether they think they've properly returned all of their cryptocurrency trading and transactions. And, and I think, you know, just to repeat something I said in the first podcast, the reality is that 
when you sign up to a cryptocurrency exchange in Australia, you're required to provide them with huge amount of information so they can meet their uh, regulatory requirements. You have to give them your driver's license name. Sometimes you have to film yourself with your driver's license. And all of these Australian cryptocurrency exchanges are subject to the commissioner's information gathering power. So uh, with that information, the com commissioner can basically go and search a blockchain um, with the wallet address that's linked to your identity and really just see every single transaction that you've ever been involved in quite easily. Mm, terrific. Now, Adam, one of the topics that we've been uh, hearing about uh, recently uh, quite a lot is uh, DeFi. Um, so I'd like you to do two things, if you can, please. The, the first is, could you explain what, uh, what, what DeFi is and, and explain it to me like I was an eight-year-old? Uh, and then can you talk a little bit about some of the basic tax issues that arise uh, in connection with DeFi. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Decentralized finance is probably, and I've been saying it for a while now, it's probably in my eyes, really the next big thing in the blockchain world. Um, we obviously have NFTs, but DeFi is absolutely massive. Um, look, you, you can probably jump on Google and go to a webpage like Investopia, which I've got in front of me, and it explains that DeFi, or it defines DeFi as financial technology based on secure distributed ledgers, similar to those used by cryptocurrencies. And basically, it's a pretty broad topic, and it can include anything that involves financial transactions that are facilitated on a blockchain or distributed ledger. So you've got, you know, your usual fine financial transactions like peer-to-peer -peer transactions, cryptocurrency exchanges. You've got this thing called yield farming, which uh, at best I could stumble through in trying to explain on this podcast. And I'd probably take up half an hour. And I think that most of our listeners would probably think I was um, talking about a Ponzi scheme. Um, then we've got probably the most common example of DeFi, which is the one that I think we should probably focus on um, for the rest of our discussion. And that's lending and basically that captures um protocols or programs where people can lend their cryptocurrency just like money but it's all decentralized and rather than getting interest in the form of cash taxpayers will receive interest in the form of a native cryptocurrency to that platform excellent so for people who are uh, involved in these DeFi uh, transactions uh, what are some of the tax implications that they have to watch out for yeah, there are probably a few layers to that question. I think the most simple one is, and probably the first question that comes to mind for most people is how are your gains taxed? So how is your interest uh, from decentralized finance lending taxed? For most taxpayers, I think that interest component would simply be taxable as ordinary income, just like your interest uh, on a normal loan. The difference being that it would be the money or market value worth of the cryptocurrency that you receive that's going to be included in your assessable income. And that will usually, for most taxpayers, then become the cost base of that cryptocurrency in their hands. That sort of leads us to the next tax question and possibly quite a big tax issue as well, which is how are losses dealt with? And you know, there are a few different forms that losses might take in decentralized finance lending. But probably the one that uh, is most uh, sort of exciting to talk about is to imagine a scenario where a taxpayer receives cryptocurrency uh, as interest, as an interest payment. They include that in their accessible income. And then there's a huge drop in the market value of that cryptocurrency. The taxpayer sells that cryptocurrency. And if they're holding that cryptocurrency on capital account, 
as many taxpayers are, they're left with a capital loss. So they've had to include a huge amount uh, in their assessable income. There's been a price drop and they're left with a big capital loss. And that's a real issue. It's a relevant issue. It's happened to taxpayers uh, out there, but it's probably not the biggest issue in terms of decentralized finance lending. The big issue is simply what happens when you enter into these decentralized finance lending arrangements. Um, and, you know, a typical lawyer answer is it depends. It depends on what protocol you're using. It depends on what program you're using. But there is certainly a risk that some of these protocols basically result in a disposal event for CGT purposes. And so you might have taxpayers who have um, unwittingly entered into uh, a huge amount of these decentralized finance lending arrangements. And every time they've done so, they've triggered a CGT event A1. They might have triggered a capital gain, but it won't be funded with cash, or they might have even triggered a capital loss. Right. So sounds like the uh, the old world concepts of loans and so on and, and interest uh, apply equally in this uh, uh, more high-tech iteration of, uh, of, of DeFi. So um, thanks for that. Um, fantastic response, Adam. And again, uh, just throwing a little bit of jargon uh, at you. Uh, the other thing that uh, I, I've heard a lot about and haven't really um, uh, taken the time to understand so well is staking. And um, again, could you uh, just explain what that is? And, and uh, is it something similar to uh, DeFi in terms of the, the tax outcomes that we can expect? Yeah. Um... So staking refers to like a consensus mechanism as a means to ensure that transactions are verified on a blockchain and your cryptocurrency can be part of that process. Um, maybe to like give it a very basic explanation, which is how I like to think about it personally, it basically involves like locking up your cryptocurrency for the purpose of use of the verification process. So to verify all of the other transactions on the blockchain and in return for locking up your cryptocurrency, to allow that to happen, you get a reward. Now, not all cryptocurrency blockchains are verified using staking, but some are, and, and many are moving towards that, uh, that method of verification um, for various reasons. Now, it's similar to DeFi in the sense that the rewards that you receive for staking your cryptocurrency, they're not going to be cash. They're generally going to be an amount of the underlying or native cryptocurrency. Now you can jump on the ATO's uh, website guidance and they uh, helpfully have some guidance on staking. And the ATO website takes the view that the staking rewards are ordinary income. You need to include the market value at the time that you receive it in your accessible income. And then that market value would also become the assets cost base for CGT purposes. And, and I think that's a pretty sound position from the ATO. You know, staking is in some senses a bit like lending. You're putting forward some form of capital and getting a reward from the use of that capital. But uh, you can probably immediately see that the outcomes for staking or the tax outcomes for staking and the potential anomalies are quite similar to DeFi. So you might imagine a situation where you stake some of your cryptocurrency, you get a reward, you include the market value of that cryptocurrency in your accessible income, but then the prices tank and you have to realize a capital loss. And that's obviously a very topical sort of outcome at the moment with the current market that we have. Um, probably to a lesser degree, um, you need to be aware of whether staking protocols can lead to a disposal for tax purposes. I, I think for the most part, that won't be the case, but it pays to be careful. Um, 
you know, for those taxpayers who are sitting on massive unrealized gains, you would want to be quite careful about whether the transactions you are entering into will trigger a disposal and a potential uh, large tax bill. Excellent. Thank you, Adam. And uh, once again, uh, we really appreciate you um, uh, presenting on the topic of cryptocurrency. You've got a real knack, I think, for taking the uh, complexity and breaking it down and making it understandable and then uh, giving our, our listeners some um, some little nuggets that they can uh, take away and um, uh, help them in their practice. So uh, thank you one, once again for uh, presenting on this topic and uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, uh, listening to today's podcast. We, um, we uh, trust that the information uh, today has been useful and uh, as always, please uh, get in touch with anybody in the team uh, if there's any aspect uh, that you would like to uh, talk about further. Uh, you can find all of our details on our website, which is www.hallandwilcox.com au or uh, you can connect with uh, Hall and Wilcox or the uh, tax team through LinkedIn and if you enjoyed uh, today's episode and uh, you no doubt uh, have then uh, we would be most obliged if you could rate review and uh, follow our podcasts uh, wherever it is that you listen to uh, your podcasts uh, you can also subscribe on our website to be notified of new episodes so thank you, Adam. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll talk next time. Mm -hmm.